Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Well, we have just enjoyed a most wonderful week of snow. Maybe you've enjoyed that too in this last week. And uh, it's been so beautiful. We've had quite a lot of snowfalls this year, some only lasting for a day. But this one has lasted all week with quite a few um, snowfalls throughout the week. And we had staying with us um, the youngest Allison children, six of them. And uh, we had other visitors as well staying with us. So we had a great big crowded house and uh, snow all around us. And some days we couldn't even get out. And uh, so we just made do with what we had. But the children had the most wonderful time sledding. We we have just a lovely slope outside the home and uh, they just got out there sledding and and then of course they wanted Nana to come with them and at first I wasn't too keen about going and eventually I did it once but then it was so fun well I just wanted to keep going so Saturday oh wow I just went out there and and uh, we just did so many wonderful sleds together and uh, you know having competitions to see who could win and I won sometimes and they won sometimes and it was just such great fun but now after a week our snow is all melting and the temperatures are warming up and uh, we're getting back to normal. All right. Well, I wonder if you have ever heard of Horace Greeley. Horace Greeley lived in the early 1800s, and he founded and edited the New York Tribune. He was actually the man who urged the settlement of the American West. He saw it as a great opportunity for those who had no work. And he was the one who popularized the slogan, Go West, young man. I'm sure you've heard of that. And uh, let me read you a few quotes from this guy. There's one I particularly want to give you, but um, there's a few others that I thought were quite good too. Go west, young man, go west, there is health in the country and room away from our crowds of idlers and imbeciles. Common sense is very uncommon. I think that's a good quote for today, don't you? The way we do things is to begin. I've always believed that. In fact, I think it's one of my quotes as well. I, I think it's such a such an important thing to know that sometimes when tasks are looming before you, and I know you often find that, you feel overwhelmed and you wonder where to start. Well, you choose one place to start or you take one job you will start with and you begin. And it's amazing. You just do that job till it's done. Then you begin another one. So I believe in that quote. 
Ah, if the pulpit would practice what it preaches, then all would be well. That's a true one too. The darkest hour in any man's life is when he sits down to plan how to get money without earning it. And again, he says, the darkest day in a man's career is that wherein he fancies there is some easier way of getting a dollar than by squarely earning it. <clears throat> Another quote, duty and today are ours. Results and futurity belong to God. Here's another one that I think is very uh, apt for today. We are not one people, we are two peoples. We are a people for freedom and a people for slavery. Between the two, conflict is inevitable. Well, that was written way back in the 1800s. I think it could be written for today, don't you? But here's the quote that I wanted to give you. It's always been a favorite quote of mine by Horace Greeley. And it says, It is impossible to enslave mentally or socially a Bible-reading people. The principles of the Bible are the groundwork of human freedom. How true are those words? I believe, dear wives and mothers, that if we are a people who know God's word and his words are filling our minds and hearts and our beings, we are not going to be a people who are enslaved. Who are the people who are enslaved? People who are deceived people who are ignorant of the truth. That is the only way you can deceive people. That's why it is so important to be people of the truth, people of the book, meaning the Bible, of course. And so we as mothers need to be filled with truth. We need to be mothers who are filling our children with truth every day. Little by little, line upon line, here a little, there a little, we are imparting the truth till it becomes part of them so that they will not be enslaved by propaganda, by fake media, by deception and by ignorance. We must be people who know the truth. The word of God says, my people are ensnared. And how true that is. So many of God's people, not just the people of the world, but God's people are ensnared and enslaved and uh, they've been uh, taken up by fake news and, and that which is deception. And that's why uh, in these current podcasts, I am talking about, are we people who live according to what God says, or are we those who live according to what society says? We're just one or the other. Last week, did you listen to the podcast, To Mask or Not to Mask? That is the question. Well, we talked about it, not just 
about the normal answers. We talked about what God says. You see, lovely ladies, there is not one thing we face in this life or even on our day-to-day lives or at this current time in our history that we will not find the answers in God's Word. If you didn't hear last week's podcast, please go back and listen to it because I share what God says, His heart, the Scriptures about this whole scenario of mask wearing. I was going to go on to another subject today, but do you know there's still more Scriptures? So I think I'll give you some more today because we might as well be filled. I mean, most probably, most Christians, if you said to them, um, have you got any scriptures about mask wearing? Well, they wouldn't even be able to think of one. Well, I think we should start thinking of some. We talked about it for a whole session last week. And now let's look at a few more this week. So we really get the f- what God says. Okay. So last time, I won't go into it, but just recapping a little bit, uh, we, I took you to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and then verse 2 talks about how our very lives are a letter that anyone can read just by looking at us. God says that we're a letter. We're a letter from him to our husband. We're a letter from him to our children. We are a letter from him to the world, to everyone we are in contact with. And 2 Corinthians 4, 4 to 6 says, If the good, and this is from the New Living Translation, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. The Passion Translation says, if our gospel message is veiled, it is only veiled to those who are perishing. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. For God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness, is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. I talked last week about the face of Jesus and how we, as we look at his face, and and not just his face, but the many, uh, many attributes of his face, because his face reveals his character. We grow into his likeness. And... uh, As we grow into his likeness, it is then revealed in our face. And so we become this letter of Jesus and the knowledge of Jesus 
through our faith. And we talked about panim, which, which literally means faces. Let me give you a few more scriptures. I didn't give you these ones last time. About how God wants us to live in the light of his countenance or the light of his face. You see, God wants us to be looking up to his face. A face that is unveiled. Where God will reveal his glory to us. And he wants to look on our face. He doesn't want a veiled face. He wants an open face so that his glory can be reflected from him to us in our face out to others. Have you got the message? This is the message, lovely ladies, of the unveiled face of how God created us, never created us to be masked up, no, but to be unveiled, to reveal his glory, and to walk in the light of his countenance. Psalm 4, 6, Lord, lift up thou the light of thy countenance upon us. Psalm eleven seven, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance, it just means face, his face beholds the upright. Psalm 21, 6, Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. Oh my, as we look to the face of Jesus and we gain knowledge of him and who he is and his glory reflects on us we're just living in this reciprocal um, light of God's glory through our faces, God's face, our face. And this brings us into exceeding gladness. Psalm 42, 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? And then the psalmist speaks to his soul and he says, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the health of his countenance. What is that phrase talking about? The health of his countenance. The word health is actually Yeshua. We all know Yeshua is that the Jewish name for Jesus. Jesus meaning salvation, health, healing, deliverance. He is the health and it comes from his face shining upon us. The health of the saving, the salvation, the deliverance, the healing of his countenance. Dear lovely ladies, to receive this, we, we receive it from his open face, but we need an open face to him to receive his salvation and healing and deliverance. We find that scripture and also Psalm 42, uh, 5 and 43, 5. Now, how did God give the children of Israel their promised land? Psalm 44, 3 says, For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arms save them, but by thy right hand and thine arm and the light 
of thy countenance. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 89, 15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. This is how we're meant to walk our lives, in the light of God's face shining upon us and his glory reflecting to our face and then our revealing it to those who are around us with an unveiled face. We talked about that scripture um, last week. Now, here's a bit of a scary one. Psalm 90, verse 8. Thou hast set our sins or iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. So we don't get away with anything, do we? Even our secret hidden thoughts are shown up in the light of his countenance. You see, that's what masks do. They hide what is going on inside us. They're a cover-up. That's why before COVID, who wore masks? Gangsters and and, uh, bank robbers and people like that. And even people who wore masks just to be acting a part or um, acting out as someone. In fact, Britannica Encyclopedia says... Um, about mask wearing to act out as someone, but says often the wearer seems to become psychologically one with the character he is helping to create. He seems to become an automaton without his own will, which has become subservient to that of the personage of the mask. Just a little quote, but it's a big long article uh, showing how the spirit of the person that they are trying to uh, mask um, can come upon them. And uh, that's truly what happens when we mask up. We're covering up who we are, dear ladies and who God created us to be, we are covering it up. God never intended us to cover up. No, he wants an unveiled face. And uh, it's just not his plan. In fact, what we do when we cover up, we we take on um, a whole new personality. We take on an enslavement personality. We take on uh, this subjection to tyranny and it becomes part of us. And, And you see that people have become enslaved to tyranny just because someone has mandated this, but it is not a law of the land and it is not in the Constitution. And constitutionally, we are a free people. I mean, you can't go around naked, but you are free to wear what kind of style you like. And uh, you are a free person to uh, be who God created you to be, not to cover up 
who you are. And so it you, you take on this enslavement mentality. And I see that in people who have given in. Now, there are some times when you've just had to wear a mask because there was no other way out of it. Um, but you seek not to where possible. That's my what I seek to do. Never wear one. Uh, the only one time I had was on an airplane. Um, but you see, when you just give in to this... You are, you are giving into enslavement, and you take that on, and and you see people they, that spirit comes upon them. God has given us a free spirit. We are a free people. America is a free nation, and we only give to these people who are trying to um, enslave us. We are only giving them the power by, just, giving into it by submitting to it by cowardly submitting to it and so be who you are not an enslaved person our daughters have just come back from uh, Mexico in fact they were there as couples and um, the three girls Van Serene and and uh, Pearl with their husbands went down for a week to Mexico and uh, Serene was saying before they got on the plane to come back home, back down in Mexico, they had to have a COVID test uh, to check that they were completely healthy before they could fly. Now, you would think after having a test and they proved positive that they could just get on the plane. But no, even though they proved positive, they still had to wear a mask on the plane. There was no necessity for that. Everyone who got on that plane was completely free. So therefore, it, it is not to do with health. It is just a mandate of slavery. Um, of course, the girls are so against um, musking themselves up, especially for their health. And uh, so they actually purchased um, masks that were breathable, that they could breathe through. You know, Serene, she wouldn't wear anything else. Oh, but did you hear those of you who are on Trim Healthy um, Mama Facebook, you most probably saw because Pearl posted it, how on the very last evening they were there, uh, Evangeline had an accident. Well, it wasn't even really an accident because the whole week they did all these most incredible adventurous things. This time, they weren't really doing well. It was pretty adventurous. They'd all gone over to this island um, on this boat on these choppy sea. And uh, they were on this island and they were walking around on the rocks. And, and then Evangeline, who was way ahead of all of them, as she usually is, and uh, she apparently slipped on a rock that was in the water. It wasn't even a big boulder. It was just a rock. But it was so slippery. And it just her body just went out from under her and she landed obviously in just the wrong way and um, she broke the upper part of her arm just near her shoulder and uh, apparently the bones went into other parts of her body and it, her it was pretty horrific she was just her arm was just hanging and because um, she fell into the water and she's just being rolled up by the surf and rolled down again and rolled up. And anyway, Sam, 
saw her and he got to her to rescue her. Uh, Serene coming up next. She realized what was happening, but she was a long way and screamed back to Howard to run that Vange was down. And he eventually got to her. So then they had to get her back. They had to work, walk a quarter of a mile um, across the rocks and then they had to get back into this boat in this choppy sea apparently it was the most excruciating um, painful experience for her to get back onto land then they had to um, call for a taxi and she said that was even worse than the boat ride and um, to get her to hospital they eventually did a two-hour operation on her arm putting in plates and and all kinds of things and uh, so you can pray for her for great healing for her arm so that was a little sad end to their wonderful holiday all right well let's continue here i i love word studies and that's really what we're doing here today we're we're just doing a word study. We're just going into the word. Now, in my podcast, you're going to get a lot of the word. And that is so good because the word is just going into you. Whatever you're doing now, if you're washing dishes, folding laundry, out walking, you can just embrace this word. And, and when I read the scriptures, don't think, oh, that's the scriptures. Well, I can just turn off and dream. No, just say, Lord, I'm just embracing your word into my heart. Let's just get so so filled and with the word and uh, so I have been doing a word study this last week um, it just happened that's how my word studies happen I was just reading a scripture about God's anger and uh, thought wow um, you know we don't we sort of don't expect to read about God getting angry, do we? We look upon anger as a sin. But when it talks about God's anger, it's talking of how he feels about sin. I think sometimes we don't even understand how God feels about evil. I mean, evil is so horrific to him, but that's why he sent his, his only beloved son to die. Because we've all sinned, and, and the punishment for sin is death, because that's how revolting evil is to God. But he sent, that's why, oh, he hates sin, but he's such a God of love that he sent his own son to pay the punishment of our sin. But it's good to understand who our God is. And there are so many scriptures. I haven't even finished this study yet. And um, I noticed how many of these scriptures, it says God is speaking and he says, my anger. God actually owns this anger. He's not talking about somebody else's anger my anger and I have a whole paragraph of scriptures in the next heading the anger of the Lord another whole paragraph of scriptures thine anger his anger 
the fierceness of his anger, the power of his anger, the rod of his anger, wrathful anger, the burning with his anger, the vengeance in anger, the heat of his great anger, the indignation of his anger. Yes, let me go over the page. The fury of his anger and all the scriptures. Wow. Oh, goodness me. That's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, so we have to, if we really want to know God, yes, we, how we love to know him and his love and compassion and mercy and forgiveness, which we need every day and which we bask in. But God is God, and he's also angry with sin. And, and the full meaning of that Hebrew word there is F, A-P-H. It's mentioned 273 times in the Bible, and it means wrath, anger, rapid breathing and passion. Wow, when someone's angry, sometimes you can see this is how they act. It all, but it also means... Can you believe this? It also means the countenance, your face, the nose, the nostrils. You see, all our emotions are revealed on our face. So, angers, let's look at a few things here. Um, so, this word that we read, you know, about anger, mostly translated anger and wrath. Um, here in Psalm 10:4, it says, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. And that's the same word. Um, it's translated, that same word is translated face 29 times. In Ezekiel 38:18, it says, My fury shall come up in my face. Whoo! Have you ever seen someone get red in the face because they're angry? Well, my, maybe that's how God feels about sin when people turn away from him. And oh, and the same word is translated nose 12 times. Here in Isaiah 65, 5, there, these are a smoke in my nose a fire that burneth all the day. And then it's translated nostrils 13 times. In Psalm 18:5, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth. And uh, so there it is in that word that means anger, but also it's shown in the face. All right, and then there's that beautiful word, panim, I talked about last week, meaning the face of God, the face of Jesus. And, uh, but here in Genesis 31, 2, it says, And Jacob beheld the countenance or the face of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And how did he know that? Because he looked at his face. And so this word panim, um, it, um, it's also translated as an angry countenance and then a sad countenance because all our emotions are revealed on our faces, ladies. Our negative emotions, 
and our lovely emotions, but they all show on our face. In 1 Samuel 1.17, Hannah's countenance was no more sad after Eli said to her, The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. That was when she cried out and asked for a baby because she didn't have a baby and she longed and longed and longed and waited and waited and waited. But when Eli said to her, May God give you your answer, And it says, and her countenance was no more sad. So her countenance changed from sadness to joy. When King Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, I think that's how you say it, said to Nehemiah, who was his cupbearer, why is your countenance sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. So it was showing on his face. Now, this word panim also means a fierce countenance. And Deuteronomy 28.50 talks about a nation of fierce countenance. Daniel talks about in the end times of a king of fierce countenance. There's the rebuking countenance, Psalm 80.16. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. Sometimes we have that rebuking countenance, don't we, mothers? Do you get that rebuking countenance on you sometimes? Well, sometimes we have to do that because it's necessary for the training of our children. And uh, we don't usually have a laughing face when we have a rebuking uh, moment, do we? A troubled countenance, Ezekiel twenty-seven thirty-five. they shall be sore afraid, they shall be troubled in their countenance because they were afraid and it, the fear and the troubling of it showed on their face. A cheerful countenance, you know this one, Proverbs fifteen thirteen. a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. So that's a good one to have in your home. And uh, that's why we don't put on, well, you would never put a mask on in your home, would you? And yet I have a friend, he comes to our fellowship, and he has to go to homes to fix certain things in the homes. And he said he can't believe it, that he has been to the door and the people in the house are masked. In their homes with their own children. Can you even believe it? It shows you how people can become so enslaved to a lie, so taken over by a lie that even in their own home they cannot be who they are. This to me is so sad. I can't even believe it. Wow. But we're meant to be unveiled with a merry heart and a cheerful countenance, showing it to our husbands, smiling at him. Do you smile at your husband every day when you look at him? Do you smile at him? Maybe you haven't smiled at him today. Well, make sure you do. When he comes home, be ready with smiles. Be ready with a good word. Be ready with a hug. Be ready to welcome him with your eyes and with your smile and with your whole countenance. 
you, you know, we can have a sort of disdaining countenance or a welcoming countenance. And um, so don't let your husband or your children miss out on your beautiful, unveiled, cheerful countenance, which you are shining on them and smiling on them all day long. And then Proverbs 27, 17 talks about sharpening one another countenance. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You can't have heart-to-heart discussions without looking into someone's face and sharpening one another. You've got to have open faces with one another. Now, um, just one more, um, because time is going, like always. We also reveal our character on our face. I've always loved this scripture, Isaiah 3, verse 9. The show of their countenance doth witness against them. Okay, let's let's give it to you in some other translations, the Holman. The look on their faces testifies against them. The New Living Translation, the very look on their faces gives them away. And it's actually in the in the context of the fact that they are guilty. Um, guilt shows on the face, doesn't it? You, do you notice that with your children? They are trying to maybe tell you a lie and get out of something, but the look on their face, guilt is all over their face, and uh, it gives them away. And you should so usually know um, what's happening by looking at their face. So, ladies, um, time is gone. And it looks as though I'm going to have to, next week, tell you a little more. Because I haven't finished yet. Do you just see how the Bible is filled with uh, this uh, understanding of our countenance? And how we reveal ourselves and our emotions through our countenance. And it's not meant to be hidden. It's meant to be revealed. Of course, especially our positive countenance. We don't want to be putting on a negative one, do we? And so let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your word shows us everything. And we We pray that you will help us to be people who live in truth, who live according to your word, who live with unveiled faces and who will reveal in our homes your love, your compassion, your glory, the glory of your face reflected to our face, shining out on our husband and our children and all we meet. Help us, Lord God, to be who you created us to be. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.